And now, our feature presentation, Imitating Art, with Don and Chuck. Okay, welcome to Imitating Art, everyone. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. At Imitating Art, we like to watch and dissect movies, see what kind of life lessons they hold to apply to our own lives. Today we're talking about Spider-Man 2, also known as Spider-Man 2, or the Tobey Maguire one. Yeah, or the first Spider-Man 2. (laughs) The first Spider-Man 2. That should have been the subtitle. Anyway, uh, I like this movie, and uh, so does Chuck, and we figured we would watch a, you know, old classic Spider-Man, the original live-action Spider-Man that we knew from quote-unquote childhood, uh, you know, before No Way Home comes out. We're, everybody's excited about the trailer, and we just watched the trailer, and it's it's a good one, but it's, it's a stark difference uh, watching the, you know, the built-up MCU Spider-Man universe compared to what this movie was. Yeah, I I will say the trailer for this Spider-Man 2 had me way more amped to see it than any of the Spider-Man sequel trailers, including No Way Home. Sure, and I, but I have to imagine part of that had to do with not only your age, but the fact mm-hmm. that we didn't have 17 MCU amazing, you know, out-of-this-world movies already. You know, we didn't have the Avengers saga leading up to the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, and this was like, oh, wow, you know, this is like X-Men and Spider-Man. That's like, they were like the the pioneers of this genre, basically, at this point. Yeah, and I didn't care for the X-Men movies other than X-Men 2. X2 uh, was great. Yeah, X2 was great. X1 was... Eh. I thought X, I thought X-Men 1 was really good. Um, it was but okay. also partly because it introduced me, you know, it was it was a new thing as well. If I watched, if I went back and watched it now, I probably would see more of the flaws in it. But I was just excited that it existed, and I loved, you know, I loved the characters, so I, I was excited. You know, I used to watch the animated series all the time. Yeah, I watched the animated series too, uh, and the Spider-Man animated series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I watched the Spider-Man animated series from too. the nineties. Yeah, and I watched like Batman and Batman Beyond and <laughs> all those animated series, Batman the animated series. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool to see, you know, besides, I guess besides like Batman, this was really like the next step in like superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, X-Men was like, hey, we can do it and make a lot of money. And Spider-Man was like, we can make it good too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because Sony can't make a good movie these days. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean... Do we really have to recap this one? It's Spider-Man. He, you know, has to save Mary Jane and, you know, swing around the city. And we'll get into all the details about how he can't climb walls for a little while and all that stuff. Yeah. And how he's hiding stuff from his his aunt about Uncle Ben's death and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he has to decide if he really wants to, you know, be Spider-Man for the rest of his life. That's kind of the central question of, of the whole movie. Yeah. So, and I mean, this movie's from what 2004 somewhere around there the first one was 2002 so yeah it's probably 2004 somewhere around there it should go without saying but if you're a a younger viewer who has somehow not seen this movie you should go back and watch the first two spider-man movies from the original franchise um and then you can come back and tell us how corny they are compared to all the new ones (laughs) but it's really kind of enjoyable to go back and watch again yeah even when this one came out, I was like, man, the dialogue is really cheesy, but I really like this movie. Yeah, it's like, there's a lot of, like, awkward and really funny scenes in this movie, which I like about it. And it works. I think it works really well with the pacing and everything else. And, like, the little scene where he's in the elevator talking about how it rides up in the crotch. Like, that's, like, yeah. everybody was talking about that scene for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get a, a Hal Sparks cameo in, in the new Spider-Man movies, I don't think. <laughs> Nor a... Stanley cameo, R.I.P. That's true, but but you didn't get one in this movie either, did you? Yeah, you did. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, it was when something. So it was when they were up on the building. I think it was when Aunt May was up on the building and like something was falling from the building. Uh, Stan pulled somebody out of the way and said, "Like, watch out." Yeah, I was probably writing a note or something. So I really also I like the graphic intro, like the the very like kind of graphic novelly yeah intro with the with the web and everything. Yeah, 
it's basically a previously on Spider-Man. It's giving you a quick little recap. <laughs> yeah. Of what happened well in the first well. movie. Uh, like the things that are going to be relevant to this one, like the upside down kiss and, uh, uh, you know, killing, uh, green goblin, things like that. Now I gotta say, I totally forgot that the upside down kiss was not in this movie. I really thought it was in Spider-Man two for some reason. <laughs> nope. That was the first one. In fact, when I was watching this one, I was like, did Spider-Man 2 have anything nearly as iconic as the Upside Down Kiss? Because that was, like, I don't know if you remember when the first Spider-Man came out. Like, that was, everyone was talking about the Upside Down Kiss. Everybody was doing it, too. I know I did it. Yeah, trying it. <laughs> I don't think hanging I actually up, tried it. Hanging on, hanging upside down on, on monkey bars at the playground and I don't being do like, that. no, it happened in the movie. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, 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 I do like the the way this movie feels in general more like more comic-y i guess and it also has a lot less cgi and a a lot more practical effects and we can talk a little bit more about that going forward but i do notice like just just the way the movie looks it looks like much less like dark and created it feels like they're actually in new york but it also feels like one of the last almost uh like big budget practical effect movie so like the the doc that not doc Ock, but the actual like pier that the experiment takes place on that looks like a miniature right it looks like a miniature with like a new york set or perhaps painting behind it and i was like maybe and i was like man you, do, you don't really see a lot of shots in movies these days where you're like i think that's just a miniature version of the thing we're looking at and they're filming it to make it look big I guess I was into it because I and, I didn't I didn't even notice that or think yeah. of it. And then like when they're inside of it, I'm like that kind of feels like a set. Like it doesn't. I know that that doesn't play as well these days, but I don't know. It made me almost wish at least some movies were still made like that a little bit. Yeah, I uh, another thing I noticed that happens often is 90s. This felt like a 90s early 2000s movie, um, and it had the iconic always like armageddon black guy getting out of a cab looking up at the sky being like hey that's spider-man or you know making some witty comment and i feel like there were in every movie usually in the trailer as well there was Mm -hmm. a black guy standing in the street saying something witty at the sky (laughs) yeah actually one of my first notes is uh he stole that guy's pizzas feels like a (laughs) holdover joke from the 90s yeah (laughs) it's that totally could be in armageddon right (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think there were a lot of natural disaster there still are a lot of natural disaster movies that take place in new york so you end up with like a lot of scenes that probably feel uh nostalgic in some way (laughs) right (laughs) i also noted uh j jonah jameson of course because we reference him uh often uh for multiple reasons partly because we can never remember the actor's name yeah, and uh, you got a little Asif Manvi role at the beginning of the movie, too. He was Peter's boss at the pizza place. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I kept trying to think of who he was, for, and then I, I had to look him up, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. He's he's great. My exclamation point, one of two or three, <laughs> was uh, Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> She's I, her secretary. I did note that I forgot she was in these movies. Uh, she uh, She's Betty Brant, who I think becomes Black Cat. Uh, in the comics, uh, oh really? Something like that. Uh, but yeah, obviously, have... since they stopped making them, they didn't get to flesh that out. But oh, was it was that part of the plan? Do you think? Probably. Hmm. I didn't really know what kind of household name uh, Elizabeth Banks was. Uh, she point. wasn't yet, but I remembered after, like you know, forty year old virgin was I think the first time I really recognized her as an actress because she had a much bigger role in that movie than right. than in these. But I was still watching Spider-Man 2 somewhat regularly back then. So, like, the next time I watched it, I was like, oh, I think that's her. And, yeah. yeah. One thing I really like about Toby as Spider-Man is that he's just so wonderfully awkward. I don't know. Like, Toby was my Spider-Man until... Uh, Holland? Yeah, until the, the first one, the Homecoming. Not even in uh, Civil War, but when Homecoming came out. I just loved that one immediately, and because uh, Holland actually makes it feel like he's a kid, yeah. Uh, whereas Tobey Maguire was like twenty-five, I think, when they made the first one. Like he was almost thirty in this one, which is right. which always made that scene like my favorite scene is the the train sequence, 
So when the one guy's like, he's just a kid. And I'm like, he's 10 years younger than you, dude. <laughs> if that guy was only 10 years older than Toby Maguire, he did not age well. <laughs> but, but yeah, but anyway, I just like, I like the way he plays the character so awkwardly and he does, he, he does a good job with that. Um, and I also think that Spider-Man is the first movie that I knew Kirsten Dunst from. Yeah. Not Jumanji. I guess from Jumanji, I guess adult Kirsten Dunst. Okay. I guess like from Spider-Man on, like she is like kind of the person that she became, like the actor she became at that point. I, I don't really think of her as like a child actor who grew up. I think of her as, you know, Kirsten Dunst from Spider-Man and then everything else. Cause, uh, Eternal Sunshine came out the same year as this movie, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I loved Jumanji when I was like 10 when that came out. So I Me too. often think but of I, Kirsten Dunst as like in this, it was Kirsten Dunst from Jumanji as Mary Jane. Hmm. Didn't even, I don't even think it ever really occurred to me because I mean, I, I used to really like Jumanji, but like I didn't, I didn't watch it enough probably to even really realize that she was in it when I watched the first Spider-Man. Hmm. So I feel like this is like the first time I saw her as the actor that I know her as now. Like if I were to list Kirsten Dunst movies, I wouldn't even think of Jumanji. I mean, she has enough movies, that's fair. But So watching Spider-Man 2 really made me want to play the Spider-Man 2 game for PlayStation 2. Yeah, I made that note also. <laughs> just a, like that's probably the best video game based on a movie of, of all time. And people still love it. The, the new Spider-Man game that came out for PlayStation 4 was great and it captured all of the same feeling of playing spider-man as as spider-man 2 did so you know i'd play that instead because it's just built better these days but uh man seeing him swing around new york just reminded me of how much time i spent doing the same thing in like college when i was yeah. playing that game all the time yeah and i don't know if it's partly just because of the spidey suit or the time period that this was associated with or the soundtrack and everything but like it like that's all I could think of when I was watching him swing as well was was playing that game. Yeah, it was such a funny, especially so like the games for Spider-Man One all sucked, and then Spider-Man Two came out, and it was like, this is a really fantastic game. Like, without the movie, it's just a good game. Yeah, man, th there was so much like built-up potential after Spider-Man Two. I know. And man, they really they really let us down. I know. I saw <laughs> Spider-Man Three the day it came out in theaters. Which is not something I do very often. I was just so excited for it. And like I went with Max because we were in college at the time. So we went uh, together and we were both just disappointed. Yeah. You both all walked out looking like emo Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> disappointed. Yeah. I think that's also the time that I went to sit in a movie. You know, we went to the movie theater. We had the buffer seat between us. And then some random person just came and sat next to me. So I was like, all right. I stood up and moved the, to the one seat over the buffer seat and sat down next to him and i was like yeah no i'd rather sit next to you than this person <laughs> so people are so awkward in the world yeah um <laughs> i do feel like this one definitely has there's a lot more the first half of this movie feels feels so much more like toned down i think it's like so much more character development so much more talking oh yeah yeah before like the explosion of you know, the villain popping out and Doc Ock appearing and, you know, everything that happens beyond that and the train scene. Like, there's so much. It's so heavily backloaded. There's so much that happens in the second half that's adventure action stuff that the I, I think the beginning really sets up the emotional part and, like, really helps the second part feel more explosive because of the way it was set up like that. Well, yeah. I, I mean, uh, cause, because the main conflict in the movie isn't that Doc Ock, Dr. Octopus, is going around doing crime it's that peter parker has this like subconscious urge to not be spider-man anymore and he's trying to deal with that so when you know about halfway through because it's a long time before dr octopus becomes the villain of the movie yeah so when that happens now it's like a big problem because peter is so fraught in the middle of this trying to balance two lives where there's like he wants both but he wants he thinks he wants one more than the other and you know it's it's causing these like psychological problems because he's you know he's not able to create the webs anymore or stick to walls and because he's all in his head and too stressed out and 
now there's a huge villain to deal with. So, like, it hits at right the right time. But it, it does feel like... I, I forgot how long it took to get to Dr. Octopus uh, in this movie until I watched it the other day. Yeah. But it still all with... feels focused. It Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, well, now we have to have a villain. It's like, oh, right. damn it, now there's a villain. <laughs> yeah, it's just on top of everything else. Yeah. I also, I noted the, also, that besides the elevator, the laundry scene was very funny the fact that he was watching he was washing the the suit and everything turned pink <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he didn't he didn't wash it with cold water or something um yeah. or and even just uh he goes home to his apartment and his landlord is like rent that's a funny little side <laughs> story too yeah it's yeah. like he's just a guy that's trying to live in new york and he's broke <laughs> yep just the tiniest little shitty apartment best friend's a millionaire but yeah. <laughs> he can't make rent um also bruce campbell well yeah i mean it's sam raimi he's gonna fit bruce campbell in there somewhere <laughs> I, I i did remember he he was in this though just because that scene was always one of my favorite scenes of him it was also a funny scene <laughs> yeah it's it's, a, it's just a great scene and bruce campbell's perfect to play the like the asshole usher read the sign who, punk who's like but first he's gonna be friendly to you he's like oh you forgot to tie your shoe Oh, you want to adjust your tie? Okay. Oh, but wait, where do you think you're going? No, I I can't open this door. The the play's going on. Yeah. He's almost like the janitor. Like, he could have had Neil Flynn play that part, and it would have been just as great. (laughs) It would have actually been really funny if Scrubs did a, like, a a version of that. (laughs) Even even if nobody realized it, it would have worked so well. (laughs) There's actually an episode of that 70s show where Neil Flynn plays a bouncer at a discotheque that they're trying to get into. And there's an episode where uh, Mitch Hedberg plays the the guy in the in the in the shop That's or true. in the cafe. <laughs> I did not lose my legs in Vietnam, so I could serve ungrateful punks like you. But you have both your legs. I just said I did not lose my legs in Vietnam. <laughs> like how uh, I have to I have a feeling he wrote that line. He had to have. It's, oh, it's such a perfect yeah. Mitch joke. Hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, Spider Man. <laughs> These are the tangents you came here for. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Ataris. Uh, did you see the all the Ataris posters for so long a story in the in the alley? I don't know if I did. The I can't have because I would have noticed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never listened to that album too much, but I would have recognized the album. Yeah, I feel like you definitely would have recognized the artwork. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool to see. <laughs> oh, what a time! Two thousand four. Yeah, the Ataris posters in there. Dashboard Confessional doing the the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, the fact that Dashboard Confessional is the first end credit song is pretty good it's still the only dashboard confessional song i really listen to regularly it's it's probably the best dashboard confessional song which is surprising that it's a song that's based on a spider-man movie like that's you know because he's so well known for writing like these like like heart-wrenching emo lyrics i mean it it is is. and (laughs) it still is but but i mean the fact that it's like so pairs so well with this movie and the themes of this movie yeah it's just yeah, it's just, it's such a good song. It's just such a good song. And yeah, it really does, it really does kind of encapsulate the time period that, you know, emo pop punk was like big, you know, Newfound Glory and Good Charlotte were headlining arena tours. <laughs> For sure. I, I think, I can't remember if it was Spider-Man 1 or Spider-Man 2, but there was like Alien Ant Farm wrote a song for the soundtrack. Oh, really? Called like Bug Bites. And I mean, it wasn't great, but. Uh, I probably liked it more than most people just because I like Alien Ant Farm more than most people. True. I like two songs by Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> <laughs> probably the two big ones. I'm going to guess yes. Movies and Smooth Criminal. That's the one, those are the ones, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are um, the two best songs. But So I mentioned the practical effects thing, and one of the things like I keep noticing like was the, the way the camera was moving and like pulling back, at, like, r- back and forth in like really fast motion to kind of show you know the either shooting a web or somebody like jumping from wall to wall or whatever it was but i just kept noticing that there was a lot of like quick pan shots and and pullbacks and they were using like shadows a lot and things like that and and just the angles to make things look more dramatic and it was just kind of refreshing in a way to like just see something that's like oh that wasn't all just done in a computer <laughs> yeah and i mean it 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 makes sense because it's a little bit not that it really feels like anyone's ripping off of like Tim Burton, but it has a little bit of that Tim Burton Batman vibe to it. Uh, which I mean, before this was after X Men, but before X Men, like the most popular comic, like the '90s didn't really have comic book movies other than Batman. 
And then, like, even when Dick Tracy came out, that was obviously made to look like uh, Tim Burton's Batman. So I feel like there were a few little... I don't know if they're nods or if it's just like, this is kind of what a comic book movie looks like. Maybe. Uh, I was thinking it was a bit of an homage, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Danny Elfman did the music for this, too. And yeah. you can really hear it. Like, it sounds like they mod. It doesn't sound like they modified the Batman music, but you can tell it's the same person who wrote the music or it's someone trying to sound like the Batman music. Yeah, and the uh, music is great. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, it is. I love the did, the main like title track from Spider-Man 2 was a track that I've listened to many, many times in my life. Have we talked about this before? Uh, I, I was talking to it to somebody about it recently. Is Dick Tracy, does that just mean Detective Tracy? I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure his name is Dick Tracy. Okay. Uh, because in the movie, they keep calling him Dick as if that's his name, but they also call him Tracy. But, but I mean, they could also call, I mean, they would also call him Detective if he was, you know, they would just be like, Detective, look at this, you know? So <laughs> I guess if they were calling him Dick, they could have just that could have just been like the, the time frame slang for Detective. I mean, I think... I think his name is Dick Tracy because it was slang at the time for detective. It just so happens that the character's name is also Dick. Wait, so you're you're not a detective? You're just named Dick? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joel McHale. That was Joel McHale. I was like, was. Is, is that Joel McHale? Because <laughs> uh, I, I never watched Community and I didn't really like, uh, what was it, Talk Soup that he was on? Yeah, Talk Soup uh, or whatever the next one was after that, The Soup. So I'm only familiar with him in passing and like seeing pictures and ads and stuff. That was definitely him, yeah. And I was like, there's so many people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the movie. You said this is the movie, the first movie you think of where you recognize uh, Kirsten Dunst. For me, mm -hmm. this is the movie for Alfred Molina, who was like a renowned actor. And I learned who he was because he played Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. What, so what other movies was he in, let's say, in the 90s? I don't even know. I'm sure he was in like indie films and probably like slightly more high-profile dramas, probably, but... But, I mean, what? You were, like, 18 when this movie came yeah, out, Yeah, that... Right? Uh, yeah. I, I know. No, I, I'm... I totally... <laughs> think you, excusing you can it. give I'm yourself a saying, break. <laughs> it's funny. Because to me, now, it's just Alfred Molina. Oh, Alfred Molina's in this movie. It's probably going to be good. Or It'll he's be, like, gonna be good. Are you Sean Connery? You mean the guy from The Rock? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know where I learned Sean Connery. So I, I feel think, like I think... that... That might have been one of the first movies I saw him in, either The Rock or Entrapment. Yeah, but Sean Connery was in, like, the ephemera of knowledge. Yeah, you know? like, I mean, everybody knew he was James Bond. Yeah. But <laughs> I would just think that would be, like, a similar thing to, like, not only knowing him from his, like, late work. I, I, I did want to point out, I don't think the government would ever allow Dr. Octopus's experiment to even happen. The fact that it's, like, if it's successful, it's basically going to kill the energy industry and... The uh, the government doesn't tend to allow things like that to happen, and it's no secret that that's what he's Unless trying they're doing to do. <laughs> right, but right, and they're not. Uh, Oscorp yeah. is so. I think Oscorp probably has their hands in the pocket of a lot of uh, a lot of senators. That's probably true. I, I can't um, imagine that they're a, a clean company. No. Um, let's talk about heroes for a second. So that bank security guard who like tried to stand up to Doc Ock with his gun. Mm -hmm. And then immediately was either killed or knocked unconscious or whatever. Why? I, I, I still, I do not understand the idea of like risking your life for a paycheck. <laughs> like, what do you, you know, like, I mean, he, okay, maybe he's going to steal some money. So what? Let him have it. Like, yeah. wh why, what, what, are, what are you going to get? What do you get out of being like, I'm the big guy that's going to stand up to this guy and stop him from stealing our money? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, do you want to work for a company that's going to fire you if you don't stand up to a fucking guy with four mechanized arms and more strength than you'll ever be able to overcome. Like, Welcome back to Don's anti-capitalist corner. Uh, <laughs> why would you risk your life for a corporation? <laughs> or a bank, especially a bank. <laughs> I mean, there were people's lives in danger, so he was protecting more than that, but... I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he, if, if he is actually, like, saving some a, a person's life, for sure. But it looked like he was, like, going for the vault, and he was like, I don't think so, punk. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that was a, a little aside that i was like why 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 i don't understand this job <laughs> just let him have it yeah. give him the money so i said that i've always thought the dialogue in this movie is cheesy all of the scenes where doc ock is left 
with just him and the arms that are now taking over his mind and he's talking to them are all like the dialogue is not very well written in all of those scenes it's all exposition like it doesn't even give alfred Molina anything to act really well because yes it's all, we should rob a bank yeah there, there's <laughs> like no depth to the character in those scenes it's just it there's no way to play it and have it be good but yeah. it's it's fun comic booky stuff but yeah yeah, like it would work if it was like thought bubbles and stuff in the comic, but yeah, yeah those, those are some of my least favorite scenes. Like he talks yeah, like no just, one, no one talks like that. Yeah, it's just auto exposition at that point. Yeah. <laughs> this reminded me of like a Bond villain thing where when Doc Ock was talking to Harry and he was like, "Give me the uranium, whatever it was. Uh, I need I need it for my experiments," and he was like bring me spider-man and i'll get and i'm like you could just hang him over the ledge for longer and he'll give it to you like you can, you can just you know just hold him by his leg for a little bit longer and you know he'll give in <laughs> you don't have to go through the whole thing of bringing him spider-man yeah but he relented pretty quickly when he was like bring me spider-man and he's like oh okay well i think for you know dr octavius is going a little crazy at this point and he's probably like oh it'd be a little fun to to get spider-man uh, maybe <laughs> It seems like such like he's in a hurry until that point where he's like, okay, side quest. It is. It's exactly a side quest. <laughs> um, Speaking of capitalism, do you think Spider-Man would get healthcare? Probably not. He doesn't no. even get a paycheck. He's living. Yeah, no. He's he's living uh, month to month barely in his in his shitty apartment. <laughs> yeah. He um like he doesn't work for the government or anything. He's a he's a vigilante. He works against the government. That's true. <laughs> true. 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 Uh, so I highly doubt it. Also, by the way, I just want to say, I, I could have told Pete that learning poetry wasn't going to be enough to win over Mary Jane or anyone. Nah, uh, that come was on. not her. Some real bad advice from uh, Doc Ock. By all accounts, he seems to be single as well. Doc Ock? <laughs> yeah. Only because his wife died. Yeah, but, you know, he's got put, to you put your cards back on the table. <laughs> well, I mean, she, but she died in the movie. She did? Yeah. She died when he oh. became Dr. Octopus. That's right. You know what? I, I feel like her character is completely glossed over and forgettable. Yeah, I was going to say, she's not fleshed out at all, so I did kind of completely forget that she existed. I do remember it for a moment. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I guess that was his wife. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so, like, nope, he didn't mourn her or anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, he, he, he looked mournful when he saw her lying there, but that was about it. That's all we got. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of people being bad in relationships, too, I Pete definitely has, like, this expectation that Mary Jane should be like waiting for him and like ready for him whenever he's ready, despite him being like a bad friend and like definitely not a good boyfriend material, you know? And like he feel he he seems like extra like shitty and hurt. And I guess he's not really shitty, but he's definitely like acts hurt as if he's like disappointed that she would dare be with someone else and like thinks that like one little act of telling her that he cares about her is gonna change her mind after she's agreed to marry somebody else and just felt very uh not very good on the part of peter parker yeah he's got a little bit of a dr john dorian in him right like (laughs) at first he's like i'm too busy for a relationship like this is never gonna happen and then yeah she gets a boyfriend uh who turns into a fiance and he's like hey wait 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 no this was Mm -hmm. this was me i want to be there (laughs) yeah i want you to be waiting and ready when i'm ready yes (laughs) oh my god i don't want her Early 2000s uh, depictions of men were pretty accurate for early 2000s I was going to say, the portrayals were pretty spot on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's only in the last uh, couple of years that the majority of men, at least our age, have been provided with media that were like, hey, women are people. Yeah, quit doing that shit. (laughs) Um, The the way this movie, like, climax, though, it was pretty fun in the pure thing Mm -hmm. and you know you get all the effects of not only uh the part where uh aunt may is hanging from the building i gotta say she's pretty strong if she's hanging from like her umbrella or whatever from (laughs) from that that (laughs) yeah pretty pretty uh pretty solid core strength she's got there but uh you get that and of course you get mary jane getting kidnapped and you know then spider-man gets his power his powers back when he's like I'm angry now. I have to save her. (laughs) Suddenly he's like, I, you know, I'm going to go do it. You know, he gets like a a couple of those sad scenes where he like sees somebody getting beat up in an alley and he's like, 
I want to help. And then he just turns and walks away. And it like, it, it feels like a betrayal. Like when you see the character do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you haven't, for some reason, gone and watched Spider-Man 2 before listening to this, there is a decent section where Peter gives up being Spider-Man. He gets rid of the suit. He just goes around as Peter Parker. There's, I put the uh, the raindrops keep falling on my head sequence is the emo Spidey sequence of Spider-Man 2. True, but it works much better. <laughs> it does work much better. Uh, I think the song choice is too cheesy, like that part didn't age well. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like the song and it, it, it works. And then, yeah, especially, uh, Toby Maguire's performances when he realizes that he can't really do anything. Uh, yeah. like, yeah, when the guy is getting mugged or when the house is on fire and he is able to go in. Save one out of two people. Yeah. yeah. And save someone. But then he finds out, you know, there was someone else that got trapped in there that he wasn't able to save, which he yeah, probably he... would have been able to if he had been, you know, at the height of his powers. You really see him like beating himself up emotionally over that one yeah. and like wishing that he could have, you know, try really kind of testing out, you know, testing his resolve on his choice to give it up. Yeah. Uh, as I put it, Peter is just too good to not be Spider-Man. Like he, he, he wants to do good things for, for people. Yeah. I will say the line when he says, I'm Spider-Man no more. It's very cheesy, but I love his performance of it. And it was in the trailer. And so I just... I can't help but think of this movie without thinking of that line and kind of get the chills of how powerful the line sounded in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, it's great to me. I love I love the trailer for this movie. Yeah, I don't have anything else written down here except for the the soundtrack that we've mentioned several times mm-hmm. and enjoying <laughs> enjoying the dashboard of it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did mention that. Uh, so obviously, Doc Ock wants to get to Peter so that he can get the tritium from uh, 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 James Franco. Harry. Good uh, job remembering the name of that stuff. I completely forgot it. <laughs> uh, so the only way anyone knows to ever get to Spider-Man is to go to Peter Parker, which makes it silly that he has to hide his identity because the people he loves are going to be in danger anyway, because everyone knows Peter Parker is the one who takes pictures of Spider-Man. Anyway, Good so, point. so the only way to get to, to Spider-Man is through Peter. So he says, you know, bring me Spider-Man and you know, I'll release Mary Jane or whatever. But then he throws Peter across the cafe into the wall at such force that if it wasn't Spider-Man, he would be dead or at least completely maimed to the point that he would not be able to bring you Spider-Man. Yeah. That is not forward thinking of Dr. Octopus. Yeah, I felt that way too. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And But I do want to talk about the train sequence for... Oh yeah, that's true. Because but before we get to the train sequence, I just want to say I looked it up now just just to see. I'm gonna I'm gonna list the bands that were on this Ooh, this okay. soundtrack: Dashboard Confessional, mm-hmm. Train, okay. Hoobastank, Hoobastank, yes, Jet, Jet, oh, wow. Yellow Card. Oh really? Gifts and Curses. Yeah, I forgot that song was on there completely. Um, Maroon Five. Okay. Taking Back Sunday. Okay. For this photograph is proof. That's crazy. Um, sure. Uh, Give It Up by Midtown. Really? Seriously. I like that uh, song, but okay. Uh, Lost Prophets. They might They might get off. They might be leaving the soundtrack. <laughs> I, I, I only know the one song by Lost Prophets, and I like it, but it's probably not that song. Shinobi vs. Um, Dragon Ninja. Smile, Empty Soul. I remember them. Yeah. Uh, they did I remember that the Bottom name, of anyway. a Barrel song, I think. The Ataris. Oh, okay. And Switchfoot. Switchfoot. Okay. You know, yeah, I, I have fond memories of most of those bands. Like, yeah, <laughs> Maroon Five is like the obvious choice, right? Yeah, but like Taking Back Sunday, Midtown, the Ataris, like what? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yellow Card, like that's quite like this is just like what our what was on our iPods anyway, <laughs> and then suddenly they're all on a soundtrack of a major motion picture. <laughs> yeah, what I don't like about that is though is a bunch of those like a couple of those were written for the movie. For the soundtrack, but a bunch of those were obviously just picked from the songs they already had and thrown on the soundtrack right. to sell the soundtrack. The yellow card one was written for the soundtrack. Right, but this photograph of proof is definitely not, so... Right, no, no. It was just like, it was just another genre pick. Yeah. <laughs> like, give it up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you want to talk about the train sequence? Yeah, the train sequence, I, 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 it's one of those sequences where when I think about it, I, you know, I feel the little tingly chills of just how good of a sequence it is because it's a good action sequence anyway which is fine uh you know it keeps uh i think i mentioned in our shang chi episode possibly that it reminded me of 
the, the bus sequence in there reminded me of oh, yeah. the train sequence here. You uh, did. Because it's about, you know, this hero facing these villains. The The stakes keep going up because it starts becoming less about just defeating the villain and it becomes more about saving the people and then, like, the vehicle can't be stopped. It, they're very similar sequences, uh, structurally. But this one, after all of the great action, gets the great emotional payoff at the end where Spidey has to put himself basically through like the greatest physical stress that he's ever had to the point where he's uh, passing out. And then just the scene where the people of New York catch him and like lay him down gently and they're like, they're taking care of him is, and again, the, the one guy realizes how young he is and like, this is who's saving them. And it's just a very, like this very sweet emotional scene. And, yeah. and then, like, the little kids bring out the mask, and they're like, we're not going to tell anybody. And, you know, yeah. I, I well up a little bit. It's just, it's this yeah. great it was, scene. It was a sweet scene. For a hero. Why, I, I, my my question is, though, like, why in why in that instance did he take the mask off? Like, was there a reason for it? It happens very quickly, but it seems like Doc Ock had thrown something at him or, or something, but his mask got damaged, so I think he took it off so that oh. he could see. Okay. Um, not that his mask doesn't get damaged a lot anyway, but... I feel like you could, between the scene where they're, like, carrying, you know, I mean, that was really emotional, too, when they, like, when they carry his body, they keep him from falling, like, the, the hand on the chest to keep yeah. him from falling off the front of the train, like, he just passed out, but, like, they, when they carry him about, like, they crowd surf him, basically, to the yeah. back of the train, and... It's, I feel like between that scene and like the parts where he like, you know, like they find the, the suit, like all burnt, you know, torn up and mm -hmm. in the, in the gutter or whatever, in the trash. I think there's enough scenes in this movie that you could probably cut together like a trailer that makes it look like Spider-Man just died. Right. <laughs> like they're just carrying the the body really. You know, if you slow down that scene, make it black and white, mm -hmm. put some ominous music behind it and then have him say, I'm Spider-Man no more. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably would make it, make a pretty like dramatic trailer. Very much so. Anything else? I, I don't think I have anything else major to, uh, let's, uh, let's take a short break and we will be right back with some lessons about Spider-Man. Yeah. Let's take that break. All right. We back. We back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I feel like these movies always have, you know, the, the baked-in lessons of, the you know, comic books always kind of have a little bit of a moral mm -hmm. story, but I think they, you know, they made them a little... Um, I don't, I don't know if they, since I, I never really read the comics, I mostly just watched the, the animated shows. And the animated shows were definitely way more entertaining right. forward and not like moral forward mm -hmm. so like getting getting the like funny stuff along with the 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 lessons in in the these comic book movies was like a nice change i thought yeah for me um yeah from like from the cartoon to the the live action yeah it's funny because i watched the cartoon on saturday mornings a lot when i was young but i don't mm -hmm. remember too much of what actually happened in in the cartoon so my like these, the first two Toby movies have become my main point of reference for Spider-Man uh, as a character. I feel like the Batman uh, animated series always had a little bit of like this like lesson kind of thing within that. Uh, I don't really remember Spider-Man or, or X-Men animated series having the, that same kind of feeling. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. And and people like of of those cartoons, people tend to remember the Batman animated series most fondly for being just like a well made TV show that happened to be a cartoon. Yeah, I mean the Spider Man movies and series of, of any of any kind always kind of deal with a little bit of grief and loss over Uncle Ben. Sure. And um, in this movie, you have you know his continued grief over 
his he the, the way that he feels like he's uh, responsible for Uncle Ben's death because he didn't stop the guy in the last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you also have his best friend Harry, who's grieving the loss of his father, mm-hmm. but he's handling it much differently. You know, like uh, uh, Peter's blaming himself, and you know Harry's blaming Spider Man, and not like not blaming his father. So. You have these two friends that are both grieving the loss of somebody they loved, but like handling it much differently and both having to deal with that within their own separate worlds. Yeah. Well, I mean, Harry doesn't really know what happened though, right? Right. He just knows that (laughs) Spider-Man brought his dad's corpse to the apartment, basically. Right. Um, But there's definitely like this like loss of innocence and youth between the both of them. Where like they both have to deal with this big thing, whether it's lo- you know losing somebody you love and then also having to save the world as Spider-Man or take over a corporation that your father ran, <laughs> you know, like they're both in these like crazy positions, and I think they're both like trying to hold on to the people they love, mm-hmm. like even though he's angry at Peter for not giving up Spider-Man, he's like when he sends Doc Ock after Peter, he's like he yells down at him and says like don't hurt Peter, yeah. So he does, you know, he still loves him. And Peter's trying to hold on to the people he still has, namely MJ and Aunt May, without hurting them. But he's ha- but he's lying to them both as well. Like, he can't, he hasn't told Aunt May about how Ben actually died. Mm-hmm. He can't tell MJ that he's really Spider-Man, you know, not right away anyway. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff going on within him. And it's like, it's really hard to have honest relationships in in their in their scenarios you know and i think like one of the basic i guess basically the lesson there is just like be honest with the people you love and hold on to those people because you don't know how long you're gonna have those people yeah and sort of even if you're going through something you might have the guilt of bringing your stuff to the people that you love because you don't want them to have to deal with it but when people love you they kind of want that like they don't want you to be going through it alone like a lot of people who love you are going to want to take on part of whatever it is you're going through and and be there for you and help help you through it and aunt may certainly wants to help peter emotionally she she only wants to see him get better at everything he wants to do and yeah you know so she wants to help him like she would want to help him through, and even though so there is the sequence where you know he tells Aunt May what happened, she, he leaves out the Spider-Man part, but right. you know, and she's hurt at first and kind of pulls away from him, but once she takes a little bit of time to think about it on her own, she, like she's the one who tries to. She doesn't say, "I know you're Spider-Man," but she does hint that she knows and she thinks he needs to stay spider-man because it's good for peter and it's good for the people of new york yeah and it's it is nice to see though like mj and aunt may like fleshed out a little more like emotionally and like dealing with the the other the other side of everything you know like that mj stands up for herself and is like you know you were never here for me you were just an empty seat what a, you know, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, she, she lets him back in, you know, she gives him a chance to like, as a friend or whatever, to be honest with her later in the movie when, and, and I guess it really does kind of show like when he actually does open up and share the truth with them, both like things improve for him and both and them as well. Right. Yeah. Like, cause especially once at the end when, uh, Mary Jane, learns that he's Spider-Man, he, she kind of had a feeling, but once she knows for sure, then she knows yeah. why he's never there. I wrote down also, like, kind of to that point, with great responsibility comes great sacrifice. Hmm. And, like, when you have a higher calling of some kind or, like, something that requires you to be there for the greater good of everyone, then sometimes you have to sacrifice some, like, personal freedoms or you know personal relationships yeah i mean anytime you're doing anything there's a lot of things you're not doing so (laughs) you like you have to pick what you're doing right then and and do that uh yeah because if you harp on it too much you're gonna end up not doing anything which is even worse but 
Right. But yeah, like you can only do one thing at a time, but that doesn't mean you can't do a lot of things. I like that. I like that sentence a lot. Um, I, but I also, I wrote down not making a choice is still making a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so if you spend all your time trying to decide what to do, you're choosing to do nothing basically. So you have to like be present, be in the moment, accept your choices and, you know, live in them and then do the next thing after. Yeah. Sometimes you can't escape the feeling of uh, missing somebody when you, you know, after like a breakup or whatever, you know, after a loss of any kind, because when Peter's walking around, like all the billboards and posters of MJ are, it's like up and her eyes are like on him constantly. And he's walking by that wall (laughs) full of posters of her. It just feels like the memory of someone is always there with you. Like it's hard to get that person out of your head sometimes. Yeah. And I mean... Time will will help, but yeah, when you're when you're in the moment, there's just there's nothing else. Yep. So at one point, Doc Ock says, uh, "Intelligence intelligence is not a privilege; it's a gift, and you use it for the good of mankind." Which is, those are kind of lofty words, but basically, everyone has a thing that they're probably good at, or can be good at if they try, and at least something that they love. I will say that having the ability to do it is not a privilege, but actually being in, like having the conditions to be able to do it kind of is. And you should absolutely take the opportunity when it comes. Uh, sure. So like, even if it's something like you, you know, you want to write or you want to paint or, or something like that, that is a gift for sure. If If you have the ability to do it, I do think you need to have be able to take the opportunity to use your gift. It made me think also about with Doc Ock though. It's like he was so busy thinking of if he could do it. He never stopped to think if he should do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We'll do Jurassic Park one of these times, (laughs) but you're right. It applies here. That is the, that is the exact same problem that they have in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I, I know, but it, but it definitely does apply to like, well, he's, he, he gets so wrapped up in his like ego and desire and his, probably his legitimate belief that this would be like the, the, the savior of the like, energy crisis in the world. Oh, oh yeah. He, he, he only saw the good. He didn't see the consequences. Yeah. And, and when you see the good in that type of way, you kind of want to be the one to do it. So yeah, all, all, all of the ego gets wrapped up in all of the goodness and then, you become blind to the consequences and suddenly, you know, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Right. <laughs> well said. Dark Knight. Um, I also, to that point of like being one-sided and not seeing the downside of something, I wrote, be careful where you get your news. <laughs> yeah. Because the Daily Bugle might tell you that Spider-Man is a menace. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Daily Bugle will also not print all of those actually great shots that Peter took. Because J. Jonah Jameson thinks the crap. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, did, so, uh, what did you think of those shots? You only see them briefly, but they look like good photographs. Yeah, they look like decent street photos. I don't really know what you would do with them in a newspaper unless you were doing like a Sunday, right. like like a, like the Sunday picture thing that they used to do. They used to have like photography elements to, you know, newspapers. Right. But it certainly showed the promise of artistry in, in Peter's sure. photography. They look like art school assignment photos basically yeah, he's in me, college but yeah that's what i'm saying that's what they look like yeah. so i mean i understand why the bugle wouldn't want to print them yeah. <laughs> like i feel totally that's like one where one place where i think jonah's justified in not like paying him for those photos because you know he's not he's the photographer he's not the content manager you know mm-hmm. you get to he gets to decide what photos he takes but the bugle gets to decide what they print and that's kind of my point they get to say we don't want to do a feel-good story. We want a story that sells newspapers. It's 2004. We're going to be outdated really soon. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, in in the Spider-Man video game for PS4, uh, J. Jonah Jameson has a podcast. It's actually kind of funny to think that that's where, that's where things have led for J. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I put, uh, love should never be a secret. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked about something like that before. Uh, well, yeah. and you already said you, that you should be honest with the ones that you love, which 
kind of goes hand in hand yeah. with that. Yeah. What's the, I mean, only good thing. I mean, it's only one way. I think, you know, if you don't tell somebody that you love them, then you lose them in one way or the other, or you spend all your life wondering if you express it and it's not reciprocated, then it hurts for a while and you figure it out and that, but you, you don't spend your time wondering. So I think, you know, love should never be a secret. Could go so many different places, but I think that's that's one. That's the one thing that I think it goes to in this movie is that just tell her, you know. Yeah, tell her about it. Tell her how you yeah. feel. <laughs> that wasn't on the soundtrack. <laughs> I I also noted that doing good can become a habit. Uh, all you have to do is get started. Then, like any other habit, it becomes harder not to do. It gets uh, easier. Yeah. Um, but you have to do it every day. But it does get easier. Yeah. Uh, Peter was someone who was, you know, in the first one, he was a good guy. But it wasn't until he started doing good deeds that he started becoming, like, a hero. And in this yeah. one, it was hard for him to stop doing those good deeds, uh, as he saw in uh, Tobey Maguire's face. And yeah. uh, so if, if you're someone who wants to do good for the world, uh, you don't have to do it all at once. All you have to do is, is something. Yeah, and start getting in the habit of doing good things. I say that as someone who doesn't regularly do uh, good deeds, but uh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting into the habit of it. But yeah, eh, no one's perfect. Yeah, and it's it feels good. You know, it's like there's the side of you that's like, am I doing this for to help someone, or am I doing it to make myself feel good? It doesn't matter. You're still helping yeah, that person. Maybe. And if you feel good, then all that does is reinforce you to want to do it more. <laughs> so sure. Get that dopamine. Yeah, like you said, it makes it hard to stop after a while because you kind of, it, it feels good to make other people feel good. Yeah. And it's a habit and habits are hard to break. Uh, and I also wrote, you always have a choice and that's a very mm-hmm. b- broad statement, but it's very much the true about this. Like you have a choice. You can make somebody's day better. You can make it worse. Yeah. You can, you know, you can do good or you can do nothing or you can do harm. <laughs> yeah. So you have a choice and you're the only one who can make that choice for yourself in, in most cases. Yeah. Including who you are, who you want to be mm-hmm. by choosing what to do. You're choosing who you are. And, uh, a desire for revenge will destroy you eventually if that's all you're <laughs> yeah that's all you're worried about is getting back getting someone back for something they did to you that's going to destroy you fast and then it's going to destroy them yeah yeah <laughs> and, and even if it eradicates them it's still going to keep destroying you yeah uh, it's not really going to make anything better there's no way to get somebody back if like if that's the kind of you know let's say you're trying to get somebody back for killing your wife killing that person is not going to make your wife come back so yeah that's all memento um yeah, but, you know, he could just forget about it. Ha-ha. Uh, <laughs> people need heroes. Sure. Uh, uh, even just to lift their spirits. I, like, And that was what Aunt May was trying to tell Peter about being Spider-Man, was that just the fact that he was around was making people feel better about their lives. I know when I... I think on your podcast I mentioned how much I like seeing acts of kindness in, like, movies and TV shows just mm-hmm. makes me feel better about real life i know it's yeah it's not that kindness is uncommon you just don't see it as often because they're usually small acts of kindness and you only see the ones that are directly in front of you yeah but seeing people do good things is always super great like it, it makes you it makes me feel good to watch it there's a subreddit called uh people being pros or something like that oh yeah and it's just people helping other people and it's always a good watch yeah, it's nice. And it is such a stark contrast to what we typically see because it doesn't sell papers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the bad headline is definitely always going to take precedent because more people want to tune tune in or buy a paper or get a subscription to find out about that. Yeah, so, listen, listen to our episode on Nightcrawler. Yeah. For for yeah. more on that. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> also just watch Nightcrawler. It's a great movie. Yeah, just watch Nightcrawler. Don't, you know, don't plan to be in a good mood afterwards. Um, to do what's right or best, sometimes you have to give up what you want. I kind of already said that. Uh, with great responsibility comes great sacrifice. So it's kind of like the same idea. Uh, if you're doing 
you know, doing good. Sometimes you can, you can only do one thing at a time, like you said. Mm -hmm. So you can't be, you know, you can't always have everything you want all at once. Yeah. You're not Superman, you know? Yeah. It's different, different franchise, (laughs) different universe. One lesson that I think comes through pretty well is you you never know what someone's going, what someone is going through. You know, uh, everyone just thought Pete was a flake, including his professor, including Dr. Octavius. You know, there was a line about being brilliant but lazy. You know, Peter's anything but lazy. He just <laughs> is right. out doing so many good things that he doesn't take the time to do things for himself. But no one gets to see that. They just get to see the part where he's flaking out on them or not showing up to class or not getting his assignments done. Yep. Um, you know, it, it it's a little bit Peter's responsibility to do like take on he's taken on all these responsibilities and he's flaking on them so that that is his fault but well he but he's prioritizing yeah yeah <laughs> he, he he's prioritizing but he's still not ready to give up these other things that he's chosen to do you know none of them get to see that what he's prioritizing over them or else most of right. them would probably understand sure why they're coming second in in his life and that just makes me think of like a new parent or something in school, you know, like they're trying to better their lives still. They they still want this like part of their life, but they also have to prioritize taking care of their child and making sure that they have, you know, the job that they probably have to work in between taking care of their kid and having classes, you know, like all this stuff adds up real quick and, you know, you have to like make your priorities and it's, it's gotta be hard for for a person like that it doesn't have to be someone who's saving the world yeah. just be somebody who's just going through something hard or you know yeah new parenting or you lost somebody or you have depression or your anxiety or whatever like anything you never know like you said you never know what people are going through so everybody's kind of just doing their best yeah speaking of that also i the last one that i wrote down was uh if you don't take care of yourself you may lose your ability to help other people oh for sure I think that lesson comes through a lot in, in this one because, I mean, that's Definitely. what the movie's about. Yeah. Peter's not taking care of himself. And then all of a sudden, again, he's shirking his responsibilities. He yep. stresses out too much to even be able to be Spider-Man anymore. You know, he's just falling yeah, he apart. Has, he has Spidey. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but, like, this is definitely the put your own oxygen mask on before you start helping other people put their masks on thing. Because like, if you pass out, you can't help anybody else. Yep. Uh, the last lesson I wrote down is don't mix colors with whites. Yeah. It's a, it's a great lesson to learn for children who have never done their own laundry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if you're doing the wash with cold water, you'll be a little safer. Yeah. And, with, and you don't need warm. You don't need warm water to do most laundry anyway. Yeah, and you know, with the uh, it's a myth. The non-bleed detergent they they make that. <laughs> so, it's it's still gonna end up turning pink, things pink every once in a while. But it's funny how much his costume is like homemade, quote unquote. But like, yeah. but somehow it's all seamless. <laughs> like. When he puts the mask on, suddenly there's no neckline. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that they had different versions of the costume for him to wear. One, it was just like the the one piece up top where the mask is literally attached to like the bodice. And then mm-hmm. the versions with where it cut off at the neck so that he could take the mask off. Right. Yeah. It's and then, it's a cool suit, though. I will say like the, the suit's in in the first spider-man movies were really cool yeah. like seeing seeing it like in 3d and seeing somebody really wear it for the first time on screen was a really cool thing to see yeah it was pretty cool it, it's one of the better like superhero costumes definitely and like because i remember this the wolverine like the uh the x-men movie where like they even like dropped a line in the first X-Men movie when like they came out in their black suits the first time and somebody said something about the spandex or not spandex, but like, yeah, the... no, I, I think it was Logan who said, are you going to put me in? Yeah. He said you were expecting yellow like spandex, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I love that they referenced it because like you, everybody thinks of Wolverine in like the yellow yeah. costume with like the eye thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and with the, uh, like the shoulder things going on. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the power ranger shoulder things. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny. Well, that's about all I got over here. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Well, uh, we'd like to hear what you think about the old Spider-Man. Who's your favorite Spider-Man? Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Do you prefer the cartoon? What do you think about the uh, No Way Home trailer? I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, if you want to tell us what you think, let us know at uh, imitatingart1 at gmail.com, or you can get us on social media at imitatingartpod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, if you want to reach us individually, you can hit me up at Big F and Moose on all the socials. Yeah, and you can find me uh, at Don't Worry I'm Finite on Instagram, and you can listen to my other podcast at anchor.fm slash Don't Worry I'm Finite. So thanks for sticking around for this one. And uh, yeah, it's been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. That <laughs> uh, wasn't planned. <laughs> I hope not. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.